Howdy, and welcome to Your Dog's Best Life. This is Leanne, and I have Maggie Sauer here with me from Reno. So that's awesome. And she is going to talk about something that I've already forgot the name of, but it's super cool. So <laughs> we're going to let her. This is actually plan two, um, so we might sound a little more scrambled than normal. But we're going to try to sound organized. Maggie always sounds better than I do. And go ahead, Maggie. What are we talking about today? We're talking about conceptual learning in dogs. Okay, so what is conceptual learning and what got you into it? Okay, uh, so conceptual learning is basically an idea where you're grouping and categorizing things and you're basically grouping things into categories. So, you know, this could be, you know, it could be ideas. Okay. It could be objects. It could be colors. So you're basically grouping those and then you're generalizing that. So an example could be like you have a Ford and a Chevy and a GMC, and those are all cars. Okay. So that's the idea. Yeah, because, like, I mean, that's a thing. That's actually a phase that kids go through, I guess, is where they call every four-legged animal a cat for a while until they can generalize. I mean, I think there are people who will tell you that there's a certain age where we understand that. So dogs can obviously generalize. So why did you go here, and what uh, benefit, other than being cool? I mean, being cool is often in a means to itself, and I have no problem with that. But for those of us who are lazy trainers and don't train anything we don't have to, why would I want to train this? And what got you into it? Um, you know, what really got me interested in it is I read Irene Pepperberg's uh, book, oh. Alex and Me. Yeah, I read that. I just read it last year, I think. Yeah, just recently. It, it's fantastic. I was working with parrots at the time. Okay. And I thought, wow, this is really fun. This is so interesting. And at the time, actually, when I read it, and I probably read it, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago. Way back when it came out. Yeah. You know, they were doing this with, they were doing it with dolphins, they were doing it with parrots. They weren't really doing it with dogs. And there wasn't a whole lot known. I mean, yes, we know, yes, that dogs you know, are capable of conceptual learning. But at the time, there really wasn't much evidence in that regard. And now there's actually quite a bit. So, and, and the reason that we're talking about it now is I just completed a master's class for professionals on conceptual learning. Oh, very cool. Okay. So, yeah. So a master class for professionals on conceptual learning. So how does that work? So we did, so this would be like a class for, you know, if you've got a dog training certification, typically you're going to need continuing education credits in order oh, to right. fulfill that after so many years. So this was a class that I just taught that was open to area professionals in order to gain more credits and just also to be introduced. This is a fairly recent, you know, a field of study in, in um, behavioral research. And there aren't a lot of trainers like Ken Ramirez, you know, is, is doing a lot of conceptual work. But as far as like a pet dog or professional trainers, not a lot of people are, are utilizing it. And I'm really excited. I want it to be a tool in a dog trainer's toolbox because there's so much we can do with it. Because in a sense, you're teaching the idea of generalization. So you're teaching these fun little games. We learn colors. We learn object discrimination. Um, but we're learning to generalize. And so we're going to see, for dogs that are very proficient in that process, okay. we're going to see, likely, better gains in things like fear issues or dog reactivity. And for other concepts like social mimicry, you can cut training time in half. So social mimicry is where you would demonstrate a behavior and your dog would do the best to mimic the behavior just as you did. 
So the possibilities, this is actually just starting to be utilized for service dog training. Oh, fascinating. So, you know, you okay. could, you know, closing a drawer, for example, could take you, you're, you're shaping it or oh, you're, yeah. I mean, it could take forever. Right. And imagine being able to demonstrate that and have it be a completely novel behavior and your dog just does it after a couple repetitions of just seeing it. Like, yeah, like how you train a kid. Yeah. Right. So, okay, so we're talking about two different things. Or are they the same thing? So is this the same as mimicry? Is it? Is it yeah, or? yeah. So all of this falls into conceptual learning. Okay, so mimicry falls under, under, and it's not really called mimicry. It's a different, doesn't Ken use a different word? Uh, so it was kind of pioneered by Dr. Claudia Fugaza. Okay. And she calls it do as I do training. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of probably what you're thinking of. Well, I know Ken said that he said was that it or no? He was doing something. He's doing counting. Counting. Which is that was one the, of the thing things we taught as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. He was doing a big counting thing, and then it, they didn't have enough double blinds or something. Like he was really mad and annoyed about how difficult it was to get something published. Okay. So let's say we want to start doing this. Where, I guess, where do we start? I mean, what, what do we, what do we need to teach our dogs? this skill set okay well you've got lots of options right so some of the easier ones to teach are object discrimination or color discrimination but we've got things like um you know social mimicry right where they're demonstrating the action that you've just demonstrated there's things like match to sample so that could be that's what ken was doing yeah and this is used a lot in nose work actually so you've got you know object match to sample where you're you're basically matching a pair like that card game where you're flipping things over. Oh, like old maid. Yeah, just like that. So you, you know, for example, you could show one one of the socks, and the dog has to identify the matching sock, or it could be a matching scent. Right, and that's essentially what you do with scent work, right? I mean, that is, I I have, I show my dog. I mean, I guess I would show my dog. Um, like if I was doing search and rescue, I'd show them a piece of clothing that smells like that person. And they would be able to track that particular person through say a city by following that they're matching that sample right i mean the sample is the thing i show the dog and they're just matching it to pick up another another similar thing yep. so we are using some of this stuff already totally Absolutely. it's just and it is fascinating i'm going to digress a little bit because you guys all know so buckle in um <clears throat> so a i used to work at the veterinary hospital that treated alex no kidding. Yeah. Uh, she had several parrots that she brought in. And Alex would say, put me back, because he'd trim his nails and his wings. And the whole time he was in his crate, he'd say, put me back, put me back, put me back, because he wanted to go back into his crate. And she brought out a couple, she had a couple more parrots. So that's my first geeky thing. And I never handled them because birds freak me out. Because if you handle a bird wrong, they just keel over on you. They don't have a diaphragm. So they, they have to expand and, and they have to physically be able to expand and, and shorten their, their chest cavity because if they don't have a diaphragm that goes up and down like we do. And because of that, if you hold a bird too tight, it keels over. Yeah. And they can also have heart attacks and keel over. And their heads turn around like the little girl in that <laughs> movie. And they have sharp objects attached to their heads, and they bite. They So birds are scary. So I knew that they were in the building. I'm like, oh, cool, Irene Pepper birds, birds in the building. I'm not going near them. And then, <laughs> so that's the first thing. But the second thing, and, and I, you touched on this, and I think this is really important. We live in a world right now where, like, the University of Arizona has a canine cognitive center, 
ASU has a canine cognitive center. That's run by the gentleman who did that great book, Dog is, Dog is Love. Mm-hmm. I love that book. Terrible name. Great book. Because the book is really cerebral and smart, and the name is really fluffy and too silly for me. But hopefully it was an editor's choice. Hopefully he's not listening to this and going, I bitch. So anyway, dogs, study, dogs were not cool to study for a long time because they weren't considered quote-unquote natural animals. Well, there's no money in it. But yeah, they're just not cool. It'd be much cooler if you're a person studying apes because they're closer to human beings, or rats because they're cheap, sure. or you have people to fund it. Dolphins yeah. are sexy, totally. So, but dogs are now huge money because uh, people own them because <laughs> there are millions of them in this country. So yeah, I do. I do think it's sad and interesting that we're discovering we're treading the same paths that others have trod before with our with our our creature okay so sorry and now my digression is over but i just thought i'd say those kind of goofy things so i have a dog and i want to start training this where do i start i think colors are a great place to start colors or objects okay and so how do i do that so let's say i have tag tag knows the name uh ball okay well ball is a generic term that kind of really just means Anything you can be thrown. But for right now, she knows that word. Okay. So what do I do with that? And you know what? She probably does know ball, and she probably knows a number of different toys that you commonly play with often. Well, she might, because I have we have the roadkill critters, and they are named like the fox and the coyote in it. Oh, totally. Yeah. So you'd start by, you need a few really simple behaviors to get started uh, with teaching your dogs uh, concepts. Okay. So the first is they need to be able to identify the thing that you've asked them to either match or, you know, the color or the object. And so typically the best way to do that is a nose target, a nose to palm target. Okay. So that could be, so, you know, touch, for right. example. Okay. And they okay. just tap your, um, their nose to your hand. And okay. then we would teach them to tap objects. Okay. And then for some of the more advanced, maybe not for colors or for, um, for objects but for some of the other things we want like a wait or a stay or a go to place or mat behavior so that they can observe and they're kind of in their station while you demonstrate a behavior or while you explain a process and they're kind of watching the game and then they can have their turn after you so it's nice to have a wait behavior so you just need a touch and, and a wait or a stay or it, it doesn't have to be something really advanced it could be really loose okay um so for let's go back to the ball so what I would do to start that is you think that she might know ball, but you're not sure. Right. 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 Um, so let's name it. Let's just pretend she doesn't know. Okay. But I like to start with things that we think that she does. So maybe you get squeaky squirrel out okay. and you get raccoon and you get ball. Okay. So we start with ball. Okay. So we're going to start with just maybe five or six hand targets, right? Okay. So we do five or six touches and now we're in a rhythm. And if we hold that ball in our hand, our dog is very likely after five repetitions, they're going to poke their nose in your hand. Yep, that's right. Yeah. So what we would do is we would we could do two different things. We could either present the ball, okay, and then as the dog taps it, we could mark it with a yes or a click, and then we would reward it. We could add the word in. Think of it as you're naming the object as it happens. Very different than maybe traditional training where you would. Uh, wait till the dog has the behavior, and then you'd add the cue beforehand when you're, you know, 99% sure the dog's going to demonstrate that behavior. Right. You just name it right then and there, which is easy for most novice owners to do. Right. So they tap the ball, ball. There we easy, go. Easy, you give them a treat. Okay. Um, so we do maybe another 15, 20 reps of that. 
Okay. Until, and then I like to go between the two. So we do touch, ball, touch, ball. So we have a hand target and then we have a tap in the ball. Okay. And then we put that down. Okay. And we teach another object. And once we've got two, then we give them the choice. Okay. And we can even make this easy. I think people, and especially dog trainers, they want to make this challenging, but it's a game. Um, and you're teaching them this. Think about this. If, if it, this were a child. Right. And they were learning these words. Okay. Would you hold them right next to each other and say, okay, now you, you, you've got it. No, you maybe present this one first, maybe a little uh, further. So it's like we were doing ball and squirrel mm -hmm. and we were te asking for ball. Maybe we'd make ball the obvious choice. Right. We'd make they it would... easy. We'd bring it forward a little bit and then yeah. we'd slowly bring it in until we're, we're working side by side there. And right. then we could add more objects. And we would do the same thing for colors. So I like to do flashcards and okay. it's the same exact process. Okay. Um, but then once they're doing well with something like colors, okay. then we want to start generalization. So this is more difficult with objects. You could do, I guess, groups of objects, and you could train that the same way instead of individual objects. So it'd be toys. Yes. Right. Yep. So she would recognize, like, toys versus not toys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the rest of the world, I guess. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, um, and, and for something like colors, right? That's, right. We would start with maybe flashcards. And then we might do yellow ball, blue ball. We wouldn't have to name that, but we'd have two different color toys of the okay. same spectrum. And then we would maybe do, um, you know, the yellow measuring cup and the blue cooking spoon. And okay. then we would eventually be able to generalize things out in the wild. Okay, so I'm going to get really geeky because I'm kind of geeked out about this. Because I always look at this as like, ooh, this, we can ask our dogs questions. No, it's fantastic. It's fascinating. So, it is so cool. Like, like a question is, so I've heard, and maybe this is wrong. So I've heard that there are, we, in, we with the English language, so we who speak the English language, have a very few colors for the color, like blue. Like we don't, we have blue. Mm -hmm. And we have like maybe sapphire and pale, then we just name like pale blue and dark blue. We just, we just add addendums. But my understanding is there are some tribal people in parts of, I believe, Africa or Papua New Guinea, somebody's going to correct me, who have like 30 words, color words for like various colors of blue. For whatever reason, that's salient to their culture. They can actually see, like if you show an English speaking person a color card, we don't even see the colors that they can name. We can't see the differentiation. It's one of those things where once we've attributed it, once we've attached language to it, it becomes more air quotes real or salient. So then my of course, the first thing I would do if I had this technology on my dogs is I'd go out and I'd find every version of yellow. So that's what we do. Yep. So that is actually part of the process. It's so interesting that you bring it up. We make sure that we have variants of every color. Yeah, because I'd be like, is straw yellow? When is a dog, do you see straw as yellow or are you seeing it on a brown spectrum? What is your... So that really, and this is, this is your field here. So you could tell us maybe a little bit more about that TV. spectrum. Yeah. But um, blue and yellow are the colors that dogs can see. And there's some evidence right. that maybe there's some kind of olive -y, weird green. But we know right. yellow and blue. And we know that we they know can the safe see colors. Yeah. Um, that, the, the spectrum of those colors. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we do generalize that right from the get-go. That's why I, when I start this, I have multiple objects of different colors. We actually start on baby blue, which is a little bit tougher. And then we move to like some of these deeper royal blues. Oh, I see, because it's paler, yeah. yeah. And also because I go to Kinko's to get flashcards, and I get colored paper, and I ask them to laminate it, and I cut them into little circles. Oh, okay. And I give those out to class. 
and they only have baby blue. They do have a better card stock, but it's more expensive. So this comes down cheap. to this comes down to what's available at Kinkos. Yeah. So that's <laughs> um, the but, best science is because of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's helpful to start with that baby blue. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Cool. Not just because it happens to be the one mm-hmm. that you can get at Kinkos. But it doesn't matter. It really you could start with anything, and you'll you'll quickly have your dog generalizing on this. Okay. So, that is super cool. Okay, now I'm just going to have to go do studies with my dogs and find out what the spectrum is for my dogs. But, okay, so, so I've trained, so, okay, so going back. Okay, hold on, I got one more dorky thing to do. Oh, perfect. I had somebody in my class with a Kelpie. Okay. And she is, uh, and remember, this is a master's class. These are dog trainers. Right. And this dog is picking up every concept but couldn't pick up colors. Hmm. And she just worked it and worked it for two weeks straight. She's getting frustrated because it's one of the easier ones, and her dog just isn't picking it up. Is it a male? Um, a, a female. Okay, just female. wondering because, you know, total um, blindness is a male thing. Yeah. So, well, apparently it's a gene in this, this breed because she tried a pattern. She tried checkered versus chevron okay. cards, and the dog was able to learn the pattern. So she thinks the dog is colorblind. Yeah. Yep. And we looked it up, and... No so she way. was actually able to, we were able to identify a gene. UC Davis actually is one of the few that tests for this. They're doing great stuff with genetics and dogs. Yeah. UC Davis. Um, and so we do think the dog is fully colorblind. And we were able, we had no idea before this. That's so cool. Yeah. See, I that's just had to throw that out there. I thought you'd No, that. no, of course I would. Yeah, you know yeah. that. Yeah. No, I'm totally good job on it. So, especially because you have to be honest, it's a Kelpie. Mm-hmm. It should have been, it should have written the curriculum. <laughs> so, Okay. Going back. Where was I going? Oh, okay. So, so, so I sit down with Tag and I do nose touch, nose touch, nose touch. I get the ball and I say ball and she touches it. Then I you don't say that. You name it. Oh, you wait till she I taps wait, touches it. it. Then, then she it. does it right. Yep. Okay. So she taps it. I say ball. And then, then you can start to say it beforehand. Then I, right. But, and yeah. then I go back and forth from my hand to the ball. When do I, when do I introduce a second object? I mean, I'm, soon. Oh, really soon. Cause Pretty normally, soon. so not right not No, because wait. we want the choice. Okay. We don't want to teach that ball is yellow now or whatever. Our ball is, you know, I mean, we want to Just have... Just any object. We right. want to make sure that she understands that this is a ball and, and that. this is something else. We want okay. the choice right away. Okay. Otherwise, especially with some of these herding breeds, they're sticky, sticky, they sticky. Yeah. Yep. And then everything is a ball. Yeah. Which is like... Anything in your hand is a ball. Which I think any, I think every toy on the property... So I had a I had a Border Collie mix. My first dog, my first, you know, adult dog that I had as an adult. Her name was Scrapper, and she was this really cute border collie mixed with, you know, who knows. And she liked to chase, uh, we had this feral cat that lived in the neighborhood, and she loved to chase it. And so if I saw it, because I'm a horrible person, I'd say, oh, where's the kitty? Where's the kitty? And she'd shoot, you know, her head, she'd pop around, and she'd look around for the kitty, right? Oh, the kitty. Well, kitty became generalized. Squirrels love kitty. So if, when we move to a place that has squirrels, and I say, where the kitty, she'd look around and she's like, oh, there's a squirrel. And that became kitty. So she was generalizing, and I, and but it would be interesting to ask her. She, of course, passed away. I'm sure she knew the difference. I'm sure she knew one is a cat and one is a squirrel. But in her, the cue for her is maybe she thought I was stupid, you know. <laughs> she's like, humans can't tell the difference between cats and squirrels. <laughs> They just think anything furry and small. Or maybe that was a, there's something. There's something it's, it's out there. It's a critter. Right. There's it's a critter. It's a look, like mm-hmm. a look cue, mm-hmm. a look cue. So here's another stupid story. I'll tell you. So when I was young, I worked at a barn. And in Arizona, a lot of the barns are the, um, 
the grunt work, as it were, is done by recent Mexican immigrants, both legal and not so much. So we had a gentleman at the barn, and he did not speak English, or at least he certainly didn't speak English when I wanted him to understand English. And I was down in a lower pasture getting a little stallion out, and the little stallion was kind of an asshole, and once you got him, you needed to not fart around because he'd throw teeth at you, and he'd bite you, and he was shit. So anyway, I'm walking back with this little stallion. He's acting like an ass at the end of the line. I'm trying not to die. And I look in his water tank, and there's a, a dead floating rat. I'm like, oh, shit. So as I'm walking out the pasture, this gentleman, he's coming into the pasture to, I don't even know what to do. I think fence cutters, something like that. He was going to fix something. So I, I, we're passing each other. And I said, hey. And then I realized I'm, I, my Spanish is very, very limited. So I said, agua, right, for water. And I'm pointing down at the trough. I'm like, agua, water, you know, the water. And, and I couldn't, I don't know the word for rat. So I'm like, gato, which is cat. And then I make a face, like my head stuck, you know, my tongue stuck out, looking dead. And I say, muerto, which is dead. And I'm like, kind of making a bobbing. <laughs> right? I'm doing all this pantomime with my three words of Spanish that I have. So I've just told the guy, there's a, a water cat dead somewhere so and he looks at me i'm sure he's just like she's just an idiot right she's just like oh my god how, how did, and she's employed how is this a thing i was only 18 so later on i see the gentleman <laughs> he walks up to me and he's like no gato rata rata water and i'm like oh rat oh thank you for the word <laughs> But I kind of wonder sometimes, you know, if our dogs are like the same thing, they're like, what the hell? Can you, can you help me a little bit? <laughs> okay, so, so I've done that. So now I've trained these things. So I've shown Tag, I've shown Tag that she has a ball and I've shown Tag that we have different toy or I've shown Tag yellow and I've shown Tag blue. Now I generalize. So now I take a yellow ball um, well, you could. So with objects, there's not, I mean, really a whole lot of generalization that takes place. Right. Um, you could do things like you could move to the floor instead of the hand, and then we could start to add modifier to you. So they could bring the ball, or they could okay. um, put this specific ball in a basket, and they could put Squeaky Squirrel in the... So there, that's where you'd use that. Okay. For our colors, okay. we would definitely want to start generalizing that. And that's actually one of my favorite ones. This is something that I used to do in the shelter. So I'd have some dogs where I didn't teach color cards to. Okay. And then I have other dogs that we did. Okay. And this is all, you know, I don't, I, I, it's not published, but when we were recording some of these dogs and we were running tests on, you know, just um, presentation in kennels, or we were like grading levels of stress okay. versus, you know, this and that. The dogs that were learning colors were progressing faster in their training than the dogs who didn't. I wonder why. I think it's generalization. Really? Yep, I do. I do. Okay. Because that is the bane of all dog trainers' existence. Yes. You know? Yes. It's like, okay, now we like this dog, but we don't like any of these other dogs. Right. We're like this pointy-eared dog, but we don't like all pointy-eared dogs. We, uh, you know, and... Um, Keep talking. I oh. got to get Cody. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So... So it, it's, it's um, you know, it, it's tough. And we spend hours, hours proofing these dogs, you know. I mean, we, we see this and this dog. We hope for generalization. And, you know, it, it may or may not happen. 
And I feel like when you're teaching this broad concept of generalization, you're able to progress faster than not. And there are some researchers that feel the same. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. I'm always looking, you know, I think, I think that people who work with behavior cases, that's always the nut we're trying to crack, right? Oh. I mean, the, when... Even with everything, sit. Yeah, sit you know? and stay. And, but especially the behavior, because people, people aren't going to rehome their dog because it doesn't sit. But when we're dealing with behavior cases, you know, you talk to any trainer and, and in certain, in certain venues. So, so most trainers in a, that train in a certain methodology, they're going to use the same tools, mm -hmm. right? They're going to use a bat-like training method for behavior reactivity, right? They're going to use a, a conditioned emotional response type training methodology for fear-based behavior. Then, so we always, but we're all looking for the secret sauce mm -hmm. that's going to help our dogs succeed just a little bit faster. You know, and so for me, it's, I, you know, I'm a big proprioception person. I'm a big, let them be dogs. I think Sarah Streming, that's her big thing, too, is she likes to do a lot of off-leash, what does she call them, decompression walks. Yep, totally. And, and I love that concept. And, I, but I'm, and, and I'm also, you know, let's make a three-dimensional, let's make a three-dimensional space and let's let them work in three dimensions. Let's let them feel their body. Let's, you know, and, and let's ask them what their genetics are that are going to, drive behaviors and let's make sure they're fulfilled absolutely fulfilled in their genetic drives whatever those might be you know if it's a herding dog i'm gonna say are you fulfilled first before i start trying to fix anything because if you're not fulfilled you're broken and but we're always looking for that secret secret sauce that's going to expedite everything else because those trainers the people who are training the behavior cases they didn't want to be trainers they wanted to be dog owners and now they're trainers and so the, the quicker we can get through it, the faster, the more that we're going to have success. And here's my thought on it. You know, it's, it's a game. Mm -hmm. It's fun. It's amazing for owners to see and to play with these concepts. Yeah. And maybe it helps a little. Either way, they're building, they're, they're working on training. It's a game. So they're building a bond. Mm -hmm. They're going to have better response anyway. And who's to say? You know, is it the concepts? Is it the games? You know? And we kind of trialed that too. Like, well, what if we did... I don't know, you know, like a, or, yeah, yeah. Or what if we did patterns or, yeah, you know, okay, what pattern, if we did yep. something else? Yep. And honestly, these dogs that were able to learn something like colors and then generalize that, like blue flower, mm -hmm. blue, whatever, storm drain, whatever, right. and we're able to pick those out, were better generalizers. They were quicker. Cool. And that they progressed is... faster. Okay. Well, so that's something to know. So that's something to pay attention to. So, so we have the baseline for that, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so let's go back to the mimicry yeah. thing. Learning by by mimicking another, because that's how we do it. Well, right? and you that's know what, how humans teach each other. That's right. And there's a lot of evidence that shows that maybe puppies especially mm -hmm. are doing this with humans. They are mimicking human behavior, and we shut it down. And if you think about that, like we open the garbage can and we throw garbage in, and then our puppy gets in the garbage too, we shut it down. We're uh -huh. preparing something up on the counter. Mm -hmm. Our dog jumps up on the counter. We shut it down. Okay. We sit in a chair. We sit on the couch. Our dog sits on the couch or the chair. We shut it down. Okay. So they learn very early, don't mimic human behavior. Hmm. Okay. So I do know that uh, training using mimicry, and I feel like we're just using the wrong word. 
but whatever. It's going to be one of those things I want to wake up Social too. learning. Social learning. That's Social the, learning. Yeah, that's yep. the correct word. Okay. We now know, because this became a thing like four or five years ago, where it really became kind of a thing that some trainers were really following. And I think part of that is it is gaining traction in the service dog world. Okay. Yep. Okay. For service dogs. Yep. So if I want to, now so this is something, again, that TAG knows nothing about. None of my dogs do. And if I wanted to try this, because there are always problems that I'm trying to solve that, and I think we all face this as dog trainers. And, and they could be a simple problem, like maybe a dog picking up a dumbbell and returning it to you. Matilda, you know who you are. Or your dog going around sheep and not ingesting them. Tag, you know who they are. If we were able to explain it better, they would get it. You know, these dogs are working for us. Mm -hmm. In both cases, I have dogs who are like, I will do the thing if you weren't so bad at explaining what the thing is. And so for me, any tool that would help me better explain what I want is going to be advantageous. So if I wanted to start teaching tag, do as you do, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it's called. Yep. And that, and we actually, there's a person who invented that. Uh, Claudia Fugazo. Okay, that's who invented that because I just want to make sure that we give due credit. And I believe there was a book. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, yep. It's her. It's her book. It's Claudia Fugaza, and it's I think called "Do As I, I Do." Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I just want to make sure that we are attributing to the right people. And I think Thenzi, I think Thenzi Dog Academy's had. I think they've had one or two times where they've taught this on Thenzi. So, okay. If I want to do this with Tag, so I have Tag, and I want to teach this, how do I begin this? It is so easy. It I is hope so. Unbelievably easy. Okay. What verbal cues, verbal only, not a hand signal, does tag have? Sit. What else? Down. Down, okay. Come by, away. Okay. <laughs> Walk up, return to heel. That's your favorite. Fetch. Pause up. Should we pause up on something? She pause up. That's not a cued behavior. Okay. It's a, it's a well, it, it, if there's an object in front of me and I'm standing in a certain way, mm-hmm. that's a cued you, that's what you, you start there. It's a free okay, shape behavior. It's a free shape behavior. Got it. Pivots. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she's got some behaviors. Yeah, you got You have a, a bunch to choose from. Okay. So you're gonna have to pick something that you, your dog can mimic. So a lot of people will say, "Oh, my dog does touch on on with a, a verbal." Okay. But you if can't. You, yes. For example, if you demonstrated touching your nose to your hand, She'd your dog t- would need to paw put their, their nose. Right. They yep. have to put their nose in there. Okay. Yep. I get it. Okay. Yep. So sit could be a great one. Okay. Because you can demonstrate that. I can show how to and sit. And you don't have to even sit on the ground. You can sit in a chair. For down, down could be a great one. Again, you don't have to flatten on the floor. You just stand on hands and knees. Okay. Just yep. get lower. Yep. Okay. Touching an object is another great one to start with because okay. you can, you know, tap that and they can tap it. And picking something up. If your dog hmm. will pick something up. Um, you can, if they've got that on verbal, but that's something you could use, you could save later for your novel behavior. I definitely need to save that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So here's what you do. Okay. Um, there's a couple ways you can approach it, but I'm going to give you Claudia Fugazo's protocol. Okay. Because it's easy to follow, I think, for most owners. Okay. So you would have your dog wait and watch you. Okay. You could have him go to place, you could have him be on a mat, or you could just have him stand there and watch you. So with my previous dog, he had to wait on a mat. With the puppy, who's just younger, I just have the puppy watch, and I demonstrate the behavior, and then the puppy is asked to then demonstrate the behavior. So, but here's how we do this. So say we're doing sit. Okay. 
we would have the dog wait. They're not watching us because she will watch me if we needed to. But hopefully they're watching us. I mean, they're waiting and, you know, they're just going to be looking at us anyway, right? Yeah, I have a bag full of treats there. Totally. Yeah. Yep, so they're already watching you. And you're going to very clearly and slowly sit in the chair or the couch mm -hmm. and stand up. You'll release your dog if they're in a waiter or stay. Mm -hmm. And then you will cue sit, copy. So I say sit and then I say copy. Yes. Now, ideally, you would do that and the dog would sit. <laughs> yes. But some dogs are only going to respond to the last cue. So it, you are going to try that first. Okay. If she stares at you blankly. That's because she heard copy next. She heard she copy. Know, and, and she doesn't she, know what that means. Yep. Okay. And so then you're going to do copy, sit. Okay. And you're going to trial that about 15 times. 15? Yeah, okay. 10 or 15. Okay. Could be more, could be less. It depends on the dog. Depends on right. the dog. You know, it could be four or five times. Okay. Um, depending on how quickly. If you've got a dog who will just offer behavior, they, they're stuck on something and they're like, okay, yep, I know the thing. I know the thing. You have an answer dog. Um, That's tag. There you go. So then what you'll do is you'll demonstrate the behavior, you'll release, mm -hmm. and you'll drop the sit. And you'll just say copy. Okay. And your dog will sit. And at this okay. point, they're not mimicking. They're just... They're they, learning a game. They, yeah. They're learning a pattern. Yeah. They've learned yep. that copy now, in this case, in this context, means sit. Yep. yep. And then okay. you'll do the same for down. And you'll okay. work that pattern. Okay. And then you'll do the same for tapping an object with your nose. And you'll okay. work that pattern. And in time, this could take a couple of days, this could take a couple of weeks. Okay. Your dog is generalizing. You do a behavior. I mimic it. That's called copy. Now they know the rules of the game. The game is mom does something, I try to mimic it. Okay. And that's when you add your first novel behavior. Okay. And I like to do known novel behavior. So you've taught these three patterns, but all they are are patterns at this point. Right. There's no way for us to confirm that our dog is, is mimicking us at this point. Right. They so, could just be, it's all, con it's all yeah. context. Okay. Right. So maybe our dog knows paws up. Okay. Right? And in your case, your dog does because it's been free-shaped and it's the object, right? Right. So you might, without teaching this pattern, your dog knows paws up, but you haven't worked this pattern with the copy word yet. Okay. So you would ask them to watch. Okay. You would put both paws on the object, both hands <laughs> on the object. Mm -hmm. You'd step away, and you would just cue copy. Okay, and and if they are if they've put it together, yep. If they know the rules of the game and how it's played, then they should theoretically come up and put their paws on the object. That's right. Okay, and if they don't, then we need to keep working these patterns. We need to go back. Yeah, and okay. Claudia Fugaza recommends three known behaviors first okay. before doing this. Um, I've done it with two. I have found, so owners have been able to generalize that at two, two, they've only had two verbals. You can teach your hand signals for everything. A lot of times dogs That's the problem. I have a to, lot of, that's yeah. my problem. I have a lot of. Yeah, and that's okay. So muddy just, pictures with hand signals and, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. So you would do that and then you could try working it in or you could add more. You could work on um, getting verbal cues on a couple other things like spin or, you know, right. go around a cone. Simple things, yeah. Yeah, you know, and then you would add that into the pattern. Okay. So we've got more. Maybe five behaviors right now are called copy. Okay. And it just starts to, oh, I get it now. And it takes a, a few where you've, you, you've got several behaviors that the pattern is watch and copy. Right. Um, but once you've got your first few novel behaviors, you start to just throw them at them. So maybe now we've done pause up and now we're doing um, walk around the cone and now we're doing, you know, maybe things that they know. Right. 
And okay. then when you're feeling good about that, we're at nearly 100% success rate, mm-hmm. you add your first truly novel behavior. And that's a behavior that we've not taught in any way, shape, or form. That's right. So maybe it's you've never taught play dead. So you down and you flip over. Oh, wow. Okay. Or maybe they've never been taught to close a drawer with their paw. Okay. Or pull open a fridge with a rope. Because those are super complex. Now that, yeah. t- to train that. Takes a long time. Because I remember that I put together a training plan to train my dog to get into the refrigerator, get a Dr. Pepper, and bring it back to me. Yep. And it was something like nine pieces. Yep. And it would take me weeks, which is why they don't do that. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, but remember, we, we'll start with single actions. But we'll talk right. a little bit about complex actions and how to use do as I do, because this can be done as well. Okay, so so we start with a single action as in I open the refrigerator. Not open the refrigerator, get the Dr. Pepper. Open yep. the can and give it to my mom. Yep. <laughs> so it could be you've tied a tug toy to the fridge. Right. And you pull it. Right. Um, and then now your dog has to pull it too. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. So then your dog does that. Mm-hmm. And just a, 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 um, something to think about with this. Um, you could use your mouth. You could use your hand. The dog is smart enough to problem solve. Okay, they opened it What with their tools. What tools do I have to be able to do the same thing? So it's, it's like they, they're looking not at what, they're looking at the, what happened. Mm-hmm. They're looking at the effect you're having on the object, not how you're affecting the object. Yes, but as they get more, and that is, and I have a little, I, 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 so... It, because, it, I mean, for something like that, if you're doing service dog training or something, it doesn't matter how they do it, as long as they're able to do it. They're right. able to grab the you know, cereal box and put it in your cart so that you've, you've asked them to, to do. Right. Um, but I care about precision. Mm-hmm. So when we get really complex with this, if it's my right hand, I want it to be the right paw. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. I, if it's, you know, spinning in a certain direction, I want to make sure that they're doing counterclockwise that, that or doing counterclockwise. Well, because so, it matters. So... Because as an example, yeah. if I have a service dog and I drop my keys and I want to teach it that if the keys are on the floor, you pick them up, and mm-hmm. I don't, there's only really one way a dog to pick them up, their, yep. their teeth. I mean, there's just, they're yep. not going to be able to have the dexterity to do with their hand. But if I'm, if I start looking at this as a way to solve the problem of creating a freestyle dog, mm-hmm. then I want them to wave with the right hand when I wave with my right hand. And I want them to kick out with their left rear leg when I want them to kick out with their left leg. So I need to be much more yeah. detail-oriented on that. So they have to really understand their right and their left. Right. So Claudia Fugaza has you just use your hand. In my concept class, I was so mean. <laughs> and I made people use their mouths. <laughs> And someone who read the book said, you know, you don't need to do that. And I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> Somebody read ahead. Yeah, they they're read like, ahead. Professor, like, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought you'd enjoy that. I would. Yeah. Because we've already learned that you're mean and I'm not. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I really did derive. And, you know, it's sort of the people. Uh, yeah. It's These are kind professionals. They yeah, want, they I mean, want the challenge. So, but, you know, I have clients do it, too. Yeah, no, I, it's hysterical. So, because again, this is one of those things. So, the perfect example uh, of this is I always have these problems in herding, where where I'm like, just just if I could just explain it, yeah, I know you'd do it, yeah, and and the tools that we have in herding are very 
want to they're 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 bulky they're they're big and they're they, they're over they they're too loud for these dogs a lot of times and they're just they're not very they're not very finessable i guess is the mm -hmm. way i'm saying so i'm just thinking because of course when you start speaking like this you're going to start noodling around in your head mm -hmm. what can i teach what could i do what could i teach so what I thought would be cool is like like a I could walk into stock calmly show tag it could be done, but the other thing would be a, a challenge that a lot, Cody has is Cody uh, is eyes up, which means that she gets fixated on the stock. She's like, oh, I love them, and I'm gonna gaze at them longingly because they're so beautiful. But I need her to, when a dog does that, you, they can't let go. And the best way to describe that to people who don't have border collies, have you ever seen a bird dog? Right? A bird dog stares. That's the that same piece of the, of the predatory sequence that's been overshot with border collies, the same part. It's a stalk behavior. And, and bird dogs, what do they do when they see a bird? They freeze. And they, they get stuck. And that's exactly, it's, it's the same exact component. It's the eye stalk part of the predatory sequence. The border collie is showing as well as the bird dog, same piece. And, but in the bird dog, we're totally happy with them staying stuck until the bird is shot because we don't want them running in and eating the bird because we're gonna accidentally shoot our dogs, which is tacky. With the, do with the border collies, we want them to be able to use their eye to move the stock, but then if we want them to shed the stock, we want them to split the stock, they have to let go with their eye because they have to move quick. But you can't move quick at the same time you're fixated. Mm -hmm. So Cody, if you call her in when I'm trying to shed, she wants to A, arc, and she wants to fixate. And so I was talking to Sue, and she's like, once she gets the picture, she'll get it. And that's true. Once these border collies, once you've explained what the end picture looks like, they're like, oh, yep. this makes sense. Yep. But I'm like, if I were able to just do, if I could do the work, if I could actually organize to do the work and get her to that point, then I could go in, I could split the sheet. Yep. And then and you can have her talk. Copy. Yeah, it is really cool. I've been playing with my border collie puppies mm -hmm. with this. Okay. And we've already got a few novel behaviors. Cool. Yeah. It's way cool. So. And he's uh, five months old. Yeah, he's a puppy. Yeah. And now, did you read the study about us accidentally shutting down the so that's social not a learning? Study. Oh, that is um, some tidbits from Claudia Pugaza saying kind okay. of why she thinks that. Okay. Dogs oh, are so it's just a, she's noodling yeah. around. Okay. Yeah. And she actually, so she came out with a very recent study that was published uh, a couple months ago, and it was called "Spontaneous Action Matching in Dog, Puppy, Kittens, and Wolf Pups." And she changed her uh, protocol a little bit more. Basically, somebody held them back, and one of these grad students did a behavior and. This, they recorded if uh, with video if the dog would or puppy or kitten would do it, okay, and they did it. So and I think that she she wanted this one for a long time, okay, because that was her theory is we shut it down. Okay. And with an adult dog, you can't do that. They don't just pick it up like that, right? But these puppies do, okay, okay. And wolf dogs and kittens kind of did. Kittens, kittens are cats. Yeah, they do their own thing. Well, and but you've got you can teach this with cats. And that is some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen. And these are cats doing things like opening drawers with rope. I'm not See, even kidding that's, you. Okay, that's cool. Because I was going to say, the Amazing. other thing about cats that's different, and kittens especially, yeah. is they're not a pack animal. 
you know, they were they are not unless you're t- unless you're teaching lions. Cats are all independent, and so yeah. So that makes sense that they didn't. They're not going to have that social learning. Yeah, you got to teach them the game first. You can teach the cat the game. I'm sure you could teach the wolf the game. Right. I, well, and and I would but think I feel wolf, like the wolf would, but you were a human. It would be easier. Well, because the other yeah. thing is, yeah, they don't have the affinity. The natural, yeah. they don't have thirty thousand years of of that affinity with human beings. You could look at having another wolf demonstrate an action, and then right. having the letting the wolf pop go. Well, so that's because we know that happens in nature. What well, happens in your household when one dog gets in the garbage, the other dog goes, "Whoa, yeah. cool!" Look what I just saw. No, and well, you know, we have that group of whales in some place, part of the world, that have learned to run up on the beach to eat the seals, mm-hmm. and no other whales of that same species do it anywhere else in the world. So it's a taught behavior within that area of the world. Now, it'd be interesting to see if they start talking how the territories of whales work. I see this is kind of give you a spooky shit. I get all excited about. Um, you know, they're eventually going to communicate that stuff. Hunting strategies are mm-hmm. very uh, cultural in animals. Well, and that makes sense because that's a survival-based technique. And you kind of need to let you die. Yeah, but they're different. But like you're saying, they're, you know, and yeah. they're learned. They're yeah. learned. Yeah, very cool. Very in cool. certain, you know, families or pods or communities of animals. Yeah, whatever, whatever it might be. So, okay, cool. So... Remind, so this is called, what is this called again? This is technically social mimicry. Social mimicry. Um, but the official protocol that was written by Claudia Fugaza is called Do As I Do. Okay, okay. And it's all a part of this overarching generalization thing. Yeah, it's all part of conceptual learning. Conceptual learning, mm-hmm. okay. So do you want to add anything? Um, you know, I think a really important concept that helps dogs deal with frustration is the concept of none. So, for example, let's say we're doing the toy game or the color game and the answer doesn't exist. Oh, right. So we have a group of objects and there aren't any blues that you're asking for. Okay. A lot of dogs who can't figure out the answer, though they know the answer, will now start offering everything that they come up with. They'll start tapping objects. And I want a dog to feel confident in that the answer doesn't exist. I want them to look at that group and say, no, it's not there. So how would they say, no, it's not there? Um, so you, they wouldn't. They would not. They would just say there's nothing. There's they just would They would just look yeah. at you like you're an idiot. Yeah. Okay. And the way that we teach it is actually very simple. Okay. So I started teaching the concept of none on chickens. Chickens. Yep. Okay. Doing color work. Okay. So you have to tap the red, but maybe I've only presented blue and white. Okay. And I didn't want the chickens tapping everything. Because okay. they will. They just peck at everything. Well, they're chickens. They peck. Well, yeah, but in this case, it was a trained chicken. That was yes. supposed to peck, peck those colors. Yeah. So what you do is you give them the option. And before they have a chance to offer a wrong behavior, you mark them for not acting. I see. So you say, you present the picture. Yep. They already know the answer. So you can't just throw this out there. No, it no. It needs to be they in need a scenario. To, they need they to know. The, so it, it would be like... Kids, when you're saying, okay, you, none of the above. Yeah, it's none so of the above. So it's, it's a n- learning to check the none of the above. That's exactly As opposed is. to just saying, oh, my God, I don't see any of the above. I'm just going to take A or B. Mm-hmm. So what we teach, what we're essentially doing is you're, you're stepping into that moment when they're like, I don't see it. It's not A or B. And you're saying this is how you check yeah. none of the and above. And it's important for scent work, too. Well, I was yeah. gonna say that's really important because you need your bomb dogs yeah. to tell you there's no bomb there. It's kind of important. 
Yeah. And, and they need to be confident with that. We don't want them just guessing yeah. because there should be a bomb here. Right. And yeah. I, I'm and I don't do scent work, but I assume they are rewarded. They check an area. Mm -hmm. They there's nothing there. They've done their job. They've done their job. Good job. Right. You yeah. know, yeah. there's some kind of reinforcement there. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think that's just an important one that okay. I think is worth teaching. Yeah. No, and I can see that. Well, and it also, it might be a way, because like I said, one of the issues that we've run into a lot with pet dog owners and these higher drive dogs is this frustration inoculation, mm -hmm. is, is helping these dogs understand how to address not knowing the answer. The answer's not always there. Sometimes the answer's not there. And, and the, it's okay. And you're it, not going to die. Okay. You don't yeah. need to throw 50 behaviors at it. Just cool your jets. We're all going to live. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to add? Oh, I think that's it. Okay, guys. So we want to thank you all for listening. If you want to, we'd love you to join us on our Facebook group and or and definitely subscribe and what is it called? You know, say you like us on, on uh, Apple and or whoever, iTunes, whoever. And um, what else was I going to say? We are going to go down today. So this is obviously you'll hear about this podcast in the future. And we're going to try to record maybe us trying some of this stuff with Tag, who doesn't know, and me, who knows less. And uh, we'll put it up on the Facebook group when we drop this podcast, whenever that is. So hopefully you'll be able to see some of this on the Facebook group, Your Dog's Best Life, and be able to see it and see what kind of wreckage I can create. <laughs> Thank you very much, Maggie. As always, we missed you and uh, hope to hear from you again. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Okay. Thank you all guys. Have a great one. Happy training.